like when I started Waves and I decided to have like a brand identity and a website and all that stuff, I did, I thought about the team first. Like I thought about the kind of team and the kind of business I wanted to create. So I was thinking, you know, five, 10 years down the road and I really wanted to rally people under a really cool business and a really cool brand. Happy Friday, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Poolside Podcast. Thanks again for joining me today. I hope you are maybe relaxing or maybe you're like me and you're realizing that you didn't do as much on your to-do list as you thought you did this week. And despite all good intentions of being able to take a long weekend, we are still working. But that's what I'm here for, to keep you entertained and to learn as you are finishing up your to-do list for the weekend. Today's episode is super interesting and actually you won't be able to get any work done because you're going to be taking notes. It is with my friend Mitzi. She is the co-founder of Arcade, a digital forward creative agency specializing in strategy, content, and distribution, and also the co-host of Wave Social Podcast. In this episode, Mitzi walks us through her entrepreneurial journey of growing her side hustle into a full-time business. Her passion for branding is apparent, and she explains the importance of creating a strong brand that is more than just your logo and a color. We talk about the mistakes businesses are making in their digital marketing strategy and why social media isn't the be-all, end-all for brands. Despite what everyone thinks about having followers. <laughs> Turns out that's not the most important thing when it comes to building your brand and your business. There are lots of other avenues that brands are missing out on because they are too focused on the latest TikTok viral video. Mitzi gives us a great perspective on building a foundation for our brand and why it's okay to grow, evolve, and change your brand. This is a great conversation for anybody who has a business, has a brand <laughs> and may want to evolve it or may have questions or just rethinking what your business looks like and sounds like and how you are showing up online. So this is a great episode. Mitzi has great advice to share and great tidbits from being in the industry. So just sit back, relax, and let's jump into it. Here is Mitzi. Let us jump right into it. And do you want to introduce yourself and give us a fun fact? Yeah, um, my name is Mitzi. I am a partner and marketing director at Arcade Studios. We are a um, creative marketing agency based out of Calgary, Alberta. Um, we specialize in social media marketing, digital advertising, email marketing, content creation. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but... <laughs> Everything that relates to digital marketing is kind of our sweet spot. Um, a fun fact about me is I'm a mom, which I think is really fun and very uh, intense, but awesome <laughs> and beautiful. Um, I have a two and a half year old daughter who thinks she's 13. Um, and then I also run my business with my husband. So I sleep with my business partner and he's <laughs> awesome and really smart. And I feel like that's pretty unique. A lot of people like wonder why we don't get sick of each other, but uh, we don't stay like spend all day long together, but we are together every day, almost all the time. So that I think that's pretty fun. 
yeah, I mean, to some people that might sound stressful, but it's good that you have fun with it. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And I don't know if it works for everyone and that's like all good. Um, I think like if you are in a relationship with someone who's entrepreneurial, you are in business with them. Like their success is your success. So being business partners in with the same business feels really natural for us. And we're both like pretty driven. So it works. Yeah, no, I love that. And before we get into arcade and like what you do now, take us back a little bit. And did you always want to be in marketing or did you have a different career aspiration or how did, what was your journey like to digital marketing? Yeah, no, I never wanted to be in marketing. I never (laughs) thought that I would be a marketer or like a agency like owner. Um, When I went to school, like my dream for so long was to be a reporter. And specifically, I wanted to be a political reporter. Um, I went to school in the US and I covered the US elections and it was really fun and wonderful. Um, I graduated university and then I was just kind of looking for jobs. I moved back to Canada. um, And the first job I could get was at a magazine. And so I got an internship. It was a paid internship in the marketing department. And my sneaky goal was to like make my way into the editorial side because I felt like my journalism degree, like that's where I wanted to be writing the stories, doing the interviews. But A few months into my internship, I just felt like I really picked it up naturally. Like my brain was already thinking that way. And I was used to juggling multiple projects. And I liked being busy and I liked the variety and the pace of it. And when I would, you know, peek over the corner and see the editorial departments working, it was very linear and very like step one, step two, step three, and a lot, it just seemed a lot slower and more introspective. And, you know, that's great for some people, but I think my natural rhythm, it just made me successful and and do well in my marketing internship. So that's when I started to explore if this industry was for me. Um, So I started doing that. And then I jumped into a few other marketing roles after that. And then I in terms of like owning my own business, I always was pretty driven. Like I always like looked for new opportunities. I was never bored. I was always busy. Um, But I think when I was in university, I had a serving gig. So I was a server at a restaurant. And I think they did such a good job training me because they really empowered me to look at my section as my own business. Like they really said like, whatever you think is best for serving your customers, you do it. So if it's like giving them a discount or giving them free dessert or I don't know, comping like a glass of wine or something like that, they really empowered me to do that. And I think that kind of mindset is what really made me thrive in that industry. I felt like this is mine to protect and this is mine to run on my own with the support of like, you know, the other restaurant staff and stuff. So that's what really kind of like sparked that entrepreneurial bug in that like feeling like I can run my own thing and I actually really enjoy it. And I have, if I have no limits in terms of like how hard I work, I can see like how much more I can make and earn and stuff. So that kind of fueled that fire or sparked that fire. And then, you know, I always wanted to start my own business, but like most people didn't have the guts to do it. So um, after my, uh, I was working at a tech startup as the only girl in the room, first marketing hire. 
Um, it was going really well. They had like raised a bunch of money, um, but in between funding rounds, they ran out of men- money. So um, as one of the first hires, they were, we weren't going to get paid. Um, so I was kind of forced at that point to like look around, reach out to contacts and say like, hey, like if I, I need to supplement my income somehow, if we need some extra support in these areas that I'm good at, let me know and I'll do them on the side, you know? So I was working full time and doing some freelance work on the side. And then eventually I was got enough business on the freelance side that I was able to supplement my income and I quit. Yeah, that's crazy. It's always like an interesting transition, I feel, between having like a stable job and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, here we go. Yeah. And a lot, it's like a scary thing to do. Like, even if you want to do it for a long time and I don't know if I would have had the guts to do it if I wasn't forced to do it. So at the time that was a really stressful moment to be like, how am I going to pay my bills? But now like, I'm so grateful I went through that because who knows how long I would have been working in a job if I wasn't forced to do it. And I feel like every entrepreneur needs to build grit and resilience. And I think that's a really important part of the journey right now. Like a lot of people take really comfortable roads to get to entrepreneurship. And I, you know, that's whatever. Everyone's journey is different. But for me, I needed to like go through that hard stuff and like work a full-time job and work a side hustle on the side and not know where my money was coming from. And learning how to eat what you kill, I think is a really important skill set. And it's something that we still kind of like mindset we still have now, which I'm grateful for. And if I wasn't forced to do that and figure that out, I don't know if I'd even be an entrepreneur now. Totally. Yeah. You need that mindset that you have to make it work. Like if you want to do this, then it's your job to figure it out and whatever that means, then that's what you have to do. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's up to you. If you don't, if you don't figure it out, you might not pay rent. And you know, that's not an option. Totally. And so was that like arcade, did you start it? And that was the beginning of arcade or was it kind of a different business and evolved into what it is today? Yeah. So I started my own business and from the get go, like when I, when I decided to quit my job and just focus on my full-time freelance work, um, I knew that I didn't want to work on myself. Like I'm an extrovert. I am, I'm a lot of energy at all times. So I, I knew like my best work that I did was in the team. And so I kind of made a decision pretty early on to create a brand for what I did. So I called it Wave Social. Um, and at the time I was dating my now husband who had his own agency and he was a big inspiration for me just seeing what they were doing and how they were running their agency and stuff. So I got a lot of like insider knowledge that I think was maybe an unfair advantage for me, but <laughs> it was obviously turned out. So um, yeah, I started my business. I called it Waves. I had like a little website, had like cute little business cards. Um, and I started just working for myself. And then I made my first hire and started working, like started slowly building a small team. I was living in Vancouver at the time. And my boyfriend at the time was living in Saskatoon and he had his own agency there. And they were a bit more established than me. They were like in it for maybe like three or four years and they had a few employees and stuff like that. Um, So we got a bit more serious. We eventually got engaged, got married and we decided to move to Calgary, which is kind of like a 
new, like a, the middle of our two cities. Um, so we moved to Calgary with two separate businesses. Uh, his was called Fancy, mine was called Waves. Um, but then actually I got a pretty big client through another agency and I was invited to this like meeting, like brainstorm meeting in this like big boardroom. And there's like 20 people. This is all pre-COVID obviously, but um, 20 people around the table from different like agencies and different like freelancers giving ideas for their, whatever the area was. And I was invited to just speak to the social media side of things. And I just looked around the room and I looked at the design teams and I was like, man, like, I don't think these other agencies have better ideas than what we have. And if Mike and his team were here, Mike was my boyfriend, now husband, we'd have way more opportunity to do more and have a bigger piece of this pie, I guess. And um, so that that's when I like approached Mike and I was like, would you ever want to merge businesses with me? And like, it was, it was really interesting because then neither of us had ever considered it. But then when we started talking about it, we're like, this makes so much sense. And so he actually had a business partner at the time. So we decided to merge. And so we had three partners. Um, we decided to rebrand as a total new agency called Arcade. Um, and we intentionally wanted to rebrand because we didn't want to make any like encourage any perceptions that one brand was doing a takeover the other. There was no acquisition. It was truly a merger of two equal partners coming together to create something bigger and better. Um, and so Arcade launched in 2018. And then we eventually bought out Mike's business partner. Uh, he just didn't want to be an entrepreneur anymore, which is all good. And everyone's on good terms. It was really great. Um, and so now it's just Mike and I who run Arcade. So it was really like bittersweet when we decided to rebrand and restart. And I really loved the way it was branding and like what I had felt like my small little company, but it was exciting because a few years later we launched our podcast, which is called Waves. And we were able to kind of preserve that branding and let it kind of live as a whole new brand. So that's our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. I actually didn't know that that's where the podcast name came from. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was like really sad about Waves. And like, I liked Arcade, but I was like, one day we'll do something with it. And we talked about like, what if we did like, I don't know, like a clothing brand or I don't know. We had so many other ideas, but then when we were talking about doing a podcast, it just made sense that we call it Waves. So I'm really happy it lives on. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and it's a great podcast. So it's living its legacy successfully. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. Um, And just as a business over the last few years, how has Arcade evolved? Like as an agency owner, I totally understand what that journey looks like and like the types of clients you get and the type of work that you then want to take on. And so what does it look like now compared to 2018? And I guess a pandemic also changes things, but. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So in 2018, when we merged um, the two companies, I had one employee and Mike had, I believe two And then eventually we had one more. Um, So we were probably like six of us at the time. Um, And then, you know, we were trucking along, doing our thing. And um, it happens to so many agency owners, and I'm sure you can relate, but we just lost a few big clients all at once. And it really, really sucked. And, you know, unfortunately, that means like you likely pay yourself less and you maybe even pay some of your employees less. So 
Um, we unfortunately had to lay someone off, which was really, really painful and really, really hard for us. But that was just the reality of things. So I think we were down to five uh, full time. And then um, actually it might've been four. I can't remember now, but yeah, around four or five. And then, um, yeah, that, that was really tough. Like for a while, like Mike and I barely paid ourselves. We just put everything back into the business and made sure we protected our employee salaries as best as possible. And they were totally underpaid for what the, for the work that they were doing. And so we were like, really like, just stressed about that we of course wanted to get more and so it was a really tough time for us um but you know slowly we like bounced back we started getting a bit more momentum a bit more clients we hired another person and um we were about five or six um before the pandemic hit and then when the pandemic happened it just happened to be a similar timing where we got like a pretty big client for another agency which was a great like anchor client for us that we could build our team around um and then we got a pretty cool opportunity with um John Krasinski's Some Good News. And that was really fun um, and a very d- good distraction during the pandemic. It was like at the height of when everything felt really scary, but um, our role with the show was help find social media content that would go into the show. So we were part of like, we worked with the producers to kind of like put the content together. We were on the social accounts, posting stuff, doing calls for different stories. And then as the show progressed, every week had a different theme. So we got to like really dive into those themes. So for example, one of the themes was prom and we got to put on like a prom on a Friday night with like Billie Eilish and the Jonas Brothers and Chance the Rapper. And it was just really fun and a good distraction. But that opportunity definitely um, gave us quite a bit of momentum. We got some press from it. Um, it was trending. So that kind of helped spark some more business for us. And that was, of course, 2020. Um, in 2019, I was thinking about this, but in 2019 at Christmas party, I think it was like five people in our living room, like so small, just like nice and cozy. Um, and then now I'm planning a Christmas party for 15 plus people who are all full time and um, probably rent a venue, do something fun. So we've definitely grown in size. Um, and I, I'd say an impact. We're doing more of the work that we've always wanted to do. We're doing more of like the we're working more with the brands that we actually like, like that we actually buy from that we're big fans of. And so you know, along with our team changing, my role has really changed too. So I was very much executioner. I would do anything and everything. And now I get to kind of specialize and sit more in a strategic seat, which is really fun for me and help build out teams of leaders who lead their own departments and their own specialties. So it's changed quite a bit, um, but we're, we're, we feel really blessed. Like I think a lot of businesses really suffered during COVID and of course, like I have so much sympathy and as a business owner, I know how heartbreaking and heartbreaking it is to see like your business be totally, you know, wiped away from you without anything you can do to control that. And it was so sad. Um, one thing that I think helped us is that we are digital from the beginning. So when the whole world had to like go online and stay on their phone and do business on their computers, we had already been doing that for a while. And that was our specialty. So I think that's what helped us um, 
grow and build more clients and stuff because of our specialty. So, and that's all just luck, honestly. Like, I think we just got lucky in the way things kind of panned out. Totally. I feel like it is always kind of a little bit of timing, a little bit of luck. And then, but then it's also what you do with that. Like when you're here to ride the wave, you know, (laughs) I feel like it, it just depends what you do with that momentum. And I feel like you guys are definitely killing it. You're on top of the wave, which is, it's so fun to like watch, watch it all happen. Um, as well. It's an exciting thing for even people that aren't a part of it. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. I think like when, I mean, when COVID became a thing, I think all of us were kind of like, what is this? Is this going to last a long time? Is it not? And Mike and I kind of made a decision that we were just going to rise to the occasion and decide to like do the best work and serve our clients in the best that we can. And I think that posture helped us. I think um, deciding that we're going to use this as an opportunity to show who we are and show our best selves, I think was really important because it carried us through other tough seasons in 2020, like, you know, the um, conversations around racial inequality. And that was a big you know, moment on social media where we had to be rise to the occasion again and be partners for our clients and try to advise them on what best to do and what this means for their organizations and how to be introspective and ask the right questions and stuff. So I feel like that posture just kind of like carried us through and we, you know, we did the best we could. And I think everyone else did the best they could too. But um, when everyone was like, again, SGN was a great distraction, but I also feel like we decided that we weren't going to get lost in fear or lost in, you know, the unknowns. And we're just going to focus on showing up as our best selves and rising to the occasion that the time demanded of us. So now that you work with so many different clients, clients and businesses, and you've been through those challenges, challenges yourself and have to evolve, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you see brands making with their digital marketing strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many layers to this. And I feel like we probably have some opinions here too. But um, one of the first thoughts that I had was approaching their marketing, or I guess not approaching their marketing as a digital ecosystem. So for us, you know, we really try to focus on creating that ecosystem on behalf of our clients. So the ecosystem that exists, you know, it happens on social. It also happens through digital advertising to help it also happens through email marketing. Um, And there's like an age old marketing stat that like someone needs to hear a brand message seven times before they want to take an action. But now in 2020, since like there's content everywhere for us to consume, it's that number is much likely very high or much higher than seven times. So for us, when we approach like our client work, um, uh, we try to like start that foundation of that digital ecosystem and kind of create the structure so that, you know, a lot of brands put a lot of investment and resources and time into Instagram. But then if Instagram's down, they have nothing else that they can do. Or um, sometimes people spend a lot of their time and investment in digital advertising and their business relies on them spending ad money. And that's so tough. So because our industry changes so much, I feel like it really makes sense to build that structure and even just a foundation of a structure. People don't have the resources to spend in every single area, but at least the foundation. And then that you can build on based on what's getting the most traction. So I think for businesses who are spending a lot of time just in social, that's 
good and it's cool, but make sure you're not ignoring your other platforms like email, like digital advertising, um, so that you're not left like with nothing. If for some reason that platform goes down, like we all experienced just a few few days ago, (laughs) but yeah, I'm so curious what you would say to this. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I think people, especially if they're new to digital marketing or haven't like put money into it because I think like now the pandemic did help demonstrate to people how important having a digital community is and a digital voice. Um, but I feel like people think it's going to be immediate and they want a short-term strategy or like a short-term budget and Mm -hmm. don't think about it as a long-term thing, which to me is like a really frustrating conversation to have because it's not like the internet's going anywhere. So why wouldn't you, like you said, build a foundation because you need that to grow. And when everyone else is doing it, like you definitely need to have that foundation to really make a name for yourself, especially if your business is related to the internet in some sort of way. So, so yeah, that I feel is one of the issues. And then I also feel, which is kind of in the same vein is that people want to jump on all the trends and everything that's happening. And usually they just leave their other things in the dust. It's like, Oh, let's be on TikTok and put everything into TikTok Mm -hmm. or maybe we should be doing just Instagram or like, let's do stories every day or like, let's do a live. And so then they get caught up in just like what's happening new and don't necessarily mm-hmm. think about what would be best for their business and their audience or where is their audience or who are you talking to? Like if your audience is like 55 year old men, like that's different than if your audience is Gen Z. And I think everyone wants their audience to be Gen Z, mm-hmm. but it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally true. Like just making sure that you're spreading your efforts and other platforms. Cause especially on social media. Like I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm still a big fan of social media. I still feel like it's a really great tool. And like, obviously there's, you know, lots of discussions around what, you know, the impact of social media actually is on us as adults, but also our kids and all that stuff. But I still feel like it as a business owner, putting your investment into content and engagement and building community on social platforms is is a must do. Absolutely. But you can't ignore things like an email list, like an email list today, I feel like is more valuable than it ever has been before because our social lives, like our social media lives are so noisy and busy. So it's like good to invest in these things and like be on top of trending, like platforms like a TikTok or something like that, but you can't sacrifice what's important for something that feels like urgent that you have to do right away. Definitely. I also feel I'm pushing lots of my clients now who hired me for social to do like an email strategy, but also more SEO and like paid Google stuff because Mm -hmm. it's something that people don't think about. I'm like, well, do you Google things? Like, yes, you want to come up in your search for Google and people like, oh yeah, like, I guess that is where people find businesses. And I think everyone is, like you said, everyone is wants to be on social and like have those followers. But for the most part, people still Google like best coffee shop in Calgary and like really basic things. Um, and I actually had, I was talking to someone who, who they work for, so I won't name them, but, um, they are like a brick and mortar, like service provider, and they don't want to put money into it. They actively are not putting money into search and into paid ads because they they don't want to show up when someone Googles like the best 
so-and-so in the city. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. And I was like, well, how, how else then? Like what, I don't know their marketing strategy, but I was like, well, what else are you doing then? If you don't want to put that money into somewhere where like, that's what, where people are finding you. It was a very interesting, just like, thought. yeah. And what happens when you have to shut down? <laughs> like totally. we, we talked to like a, a pretty big retailer and their policy too, as a, as a company was that they don't advertise. But I was like, just so you know, influencer marketing is advertising. So you do advertise. <laughs> and secondly, what are you going to do when all your retail stores close? Like, don't you have e-commerce? Don't you want to build some traffic there? And I think people perceive digital advertising to be something that's like trying to trick people into getting a click or to make a purchase. And I know there are some, you know, approaches and unethical like strategies out there, but digital advertising is and should be making your life easier as a consumer. Like I remember there's a study that I read and I talked about, um, they were analyzing the Rolex buyers versus the dollar store buyers. And they gave them ads of each other's business. And then they surveyed them and asked them if you were, what would you prefer to see? They asked the Rolex customers, would you prefer to see ads for Rolex in your social feed or would you prefer to see Dollar Tree store ads? And they're like, of course I'd prefer to see Rolex ads. And all of us would say that. Like all of us would prefer that, you know, the algorithm learns about our customer or like the brands that we like, the types of products we like. It's so much more convenient. But I think we've built this like mistrust because of some you know, algorithm issues or whatever, but theoretically, like it should be helping and enhancing people's customer journey. So if you have something sitting in your cart that you've been thinking about, I would love to get an ad that gives me a discount for that thing. Totally. Like, hell yeah. Like, why wouldn't I want that? So I think maybe it's like also like some unlocking people have to do about ads and ads being like, evil and ruining the internet and all that stuff. Um, You know, I get it. Like, I think I get why it could be frustrating, but as an advertiser, I'm, I also see that everything is an ad, you know, every product that you're seeing in a movie, in a show or in someone's Instagram feed or on TikTok, like there's so many ad, ad stories that are happening there. And maybe some of it's organic and that's really cool too, but you're still being served, you know, brand stories. And that's essentially marketing. Exactly. And I also feel there's so much opportunity now with the content that can be created. Like you can get so creative and have so much fun, even if it is an ad. And I think that that's another like misconception that lots of businesses have is that they don't want like the traditional ad and they don't want to put a ton of money behind it. But there's so many things that like might not even feel like an ad and that get really creative. I just watched, I don't know how recent it is actually, but the Simpsons just did like a, not the Simpsons, but, um, Oh man, what was even the brand? Okay. Terrible ad then. Cause I can't remember what the brand was, but it was a high end, like luxury brand. Like, um, mm. Balenciaga or like something like that. And they did like a whole Simpsons episode that was entertaining, but then talked about the brand. And I was like, well, first of all, that would have been really expensive, but it's really interesting. And like, you just watch the entire thing because it's like a different way to present your product or to think about advertising. And so that was cool. And I feel like they're just, if you get creative and you have the right team or the right people giving ideas, I think that brands can do a lot of really fun things that don't make ads feel like ads used to. A hundred percent. I think that's 
that's the beauty of creative marketing. And that's why like, I am really excited and feel jazzed up about our industry because like you can do anything you want as long as you build trust with a brand and a client. And as long as you really understand like what consumer behaviors are like, like as a rule, we don't hire anyone who's active on social because they're not going to understand how to speak to consumers or how to speak to their peers. And like, I think if you're creating something that's so different, that doesn't feel like advertising, that's the best kind of advertising. And if people think that they're not seeing that, it exists. Like, I think I really love the idea of like, when brands come to creators and they want to create like content like that, like the Simpsons episode, or they want to like, I don't know, do something that's not so sponsored. Like, I think, I think that's really cool. Um, And I'd love to see more brands do that. And I personally want to be more involved in that kind of stuff. Definitely. It's almost like experiential marketing or creating, like, even if it is still online, it's creating a different type of experience rather than just like being sold to. Totally. Yeah. We, we were just talking to, um, this guy, he's like the CEO of Anomaly, which is like a pretty big agency. And he was saying like one of their Super Bowl ads, you know, like they were working with, um, this craft beer brand and they didn't have much time to put together the ad. So the ad was the ad, but what helped get the most traction for them is that they, they partnered with this comedian, TJ Miller to, and they created this like robotic version of their beer. And they were both sitting on the couch watching that year's Super Bowl commercials and roasting everyone else's Super Bowl <laughs> commercial. And that was what the ad was. And I thought that was so genius. Like that's the stuff that people like think is entertaining. It's funny. And then like, that's a great brand experience. You know, you're, you're sharing like your personality as a brand and that you're not taking yourself too seriously and you're brave enough to roast other, other people in your space. So I thought that was pretty smart. Yeah, no, that's, I didn't see that, but that's so funny. I also just feel that then people talk about it. Like you created a conversation Mm -hmm. about it and then obviously people remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Or like Reddit Super Bowl commercial. I could go on about Super Bowl commercials because I'm a big (laughs) fan, but Reddit Super Bowl commercial last year was really interesting because they bought the spot and they made it a glitch. And so it looked like as you're watching it, it like glitched and then it had this message and it was like Reddit, this like, I don't, I can't remember exactly what the wording was, but all around the world, people were like stopping and they're like, is the Super Bowl down? Is the Super Bowl down? Like what's going on? And then Reddit traffic, they actually had so much traffic that their website crashed because people were Googling Reddit and trying to find this Reddit stream that talked about this glitch in the Super Bowl, which I thought was so, so creative and unique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. I could go on, but I won't. I should have my own podcast just about Super Bowl commercials. Totally. You really should. You should have just like a, a daytime show, like a like a talk show, but you just talk about <laughs> Super Bowl commercials. Super Bowl commercials. I know, I'm just a biggest fan girl. No, I love that. And um, to talk about that and talk about branding, because obviously it's so important when it comes to advertising, but just in general, especially because Arcade brand is amazing and you were really passionate about waves before. So what are some of the questions that business owners should ask themselves when they're trying to define and build their brand? Yeah, well, thank you so much for saying that. I think... Um, I think there's like maybe an old school like agency mentality that nobody cares about agency brands, that you could be anything, any logo, logo, but it won't make a difference on who works with you, what kind of clients you get. But I will say that having the brand that we have has been the best for 
getting new uh, team members and hiring. So I feel like as a branding nerd, but also as an agency owner in this space and seeing my peers that really spend a lot of time or effort in their own purse, their own agency brand. I feel like it's an important thing that kind of sets us apart. It also like the kind of clients that we want to work with are people like me who also care about branding. So they're aligning themselves with a brand that they are either consumers of or feel like they like the aesthetic of. So I think that's been something else that has helped us when it comes to like how our brand has supported us with new business. Um, but yeah, some questions that I think everyone should ask themselves. Like when I started Waves and I decided to have like a brand identity and a website and all that stuff. I did. I thought about the team first. Like I thought about the kind of team and the kind of business I wanted to create. So I was thinking, you know, five, 10 years down the road. And I really wanted to rally people under a really cool business and a really cool brand. And I think any business who's thinking about, you know, branding for their own brand, I think they should think about what is their, what do they want their business look like and who do they want to hire? What are the kind of people that they want to hire for their business in five to 10 years? And I think that's important because a lot of people just like look at the here and now they may be like, look at their competitors and try to come up with something cool. But um, I think it's such an honor when people like add our handle in their Instagram bio, for example. And I want those people to be proud to do that. And I'd encourage any business owner to think about that too, whether it's their employees or their future investors or it's, you know, potential future customers, like, or if it's a brand ambassador, you know, you want them to be proud and not weirded out about putting their logo on your profile on LinkedIn or on their Instagram bio or whatever it is. So I think we think about, we thought I would encourage people to think about future, be more future minded. What do they want those people to look like? How do they, what kind of people are they? What other brands are they interested in? And then kind of work backwards from there. No, I think that's a really great way to look at it. And it goes back to like being more long-term with things rather than like, what's a cool trendy logo that I can use right now that really doesn't showcase who you are as a person or as Mm -hmm. a business. Yeah. And brands can evolve like for like logos and visual identity can evolve. Like one thing that we do every year is we change our brand colors. So our logo stays the same, but every year we introduce a new color palette and it changes like, our look on social, it changes our, even like our internal Slack is like based on those colors. So it like gives us internally like a fresh perspective, but it also kind of like allows us to stay current. So if we're like, hey, these colors don't work anymore, they don't feel like us, where we have permission to evolve and evolve as things and trends come and go. So I feel like that's maybe another thing, like people don't have to stick to the colors they chose three years ago. Um, You can evolve, your brand can evolve, but I think there should be some core parts of your brand that feel and stay the same. So for us, that's our word mark, our arcade stays the same. But every year you'll see different colors and you'll see a different palette and you'll see maybe a different style of photography. Um, We're all fans of still life photography, so that will probably be pretty consistent, but there's other ways that you can evolve outside of just your logo. Right. I love that. And it, it is then creating more of like a whole landscape of your brand Mm -hmm. rather than being limited to like the box of like traditionally what people think as like, what is your brand? Totally. And branding is not just like your logo. It's also the way you talk. 
It's also the way, like the style of photography you have. It's also like the UX design on your website. Like all of that stuff should be something you think about. And like, if you're, if you're, company was a person what would they be like what it would what would it feel like to hang with them like how would they text you like what would they use emojis like those are like stuff that you should think about and I love that stuff and I think for arcade we we spent a lot of time like figuring what that looks like for us and we like the idea of growing up so arcade when we launched looked really different than what we look like now. We're not just, you know, five people in my living room. We're like 15 creative, unique perspectives. And I'm really proud of that. So how can our brand evolve with our business and our team evolving and growing up a little bit? We're actually working on a new website right now, which we hope to launch, who knows, maybe this year, (laughs) maybe next year. but we hope that it reflects that we've grown up a little bit, you know, and I think that's, that's really fun and exciting too. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, it's even like when you look at like as a person, like you change what you wear and you change what your hair looks like and you just evolve as you grow. And so I feel like brands can do the same because if you are stuck in the same look or feel or anything that you were five years ago, then have you really grown and evolved? Totally. And I think like some people really take branding so seriously and I do too, because I'm a fan, but I feel like you shouldn't take it so seriously that you can't change or have fun with it. Like for example, I don't know if you saw, but there's that TikTok that went viral of this girl. She's like a graphic design expert and she like recreated all these like big logos. And it's like, it's like a joke. She's like, I'm rebranding. I don't know what it was. One was like, Instagram or no one was it was like a bunch of it was like vans or and she basically like redid their logo through her a TikTok video and then all the brands that she did changed their TikTok logo to be the logo she did so wow. it was like McDonald's vans uh I think it was like Microsoft like a bunch of big brands changed it and I think like that's really fun because if you're if I was like the brand owner of vans I would be protective of my logo, but for TikTok, which is like a space to have fun, a space for viral videos, like a space to be quick, you know, you have to be reactive. It's really cool that they didn't take themselves so seriously that they wouldn't jump on that and kind of have like a like inside joke with the people on TikTok. So I thought that's really fun too. Yeah. And it's so cool even to just see how involved they are with the community that they're like, we see you and we hear you and like, we want to be a part of it. So I think that's totally too. Yeah. I feel like Red Bull was in there too. Like some pretty big iconic brands. They all did it. It's really, I'll I'll have to find the video, but it's really fun. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, what a way to pitch companies. You're like, hi, I would like to rebrand all these companies. And she's like, here's my pitch video. (laughs) How do you Yeah. But like her, her logos aren't meant to be good. Like they're really funny. They're like clip (laughs) art. Like they're so bad. And it's like a joke. I think it was like a, a joke. Like she's not actually trying to do those logos. (laughs) But I think that's what makes it funny. And the internet loves it because they're, these big brands are willing to just take those logos. No, that's awesome. And that leads me to my next question about mm-hmm. specifically about social media. Um, and cause I know you worked on some good news and that was very viral on social. So what advice would you give business owners when it comes to making an impact on social, not necessarily going viral, because I really hate when 
that's the question, but just an impact in general. Yeah, I think there's so many layers to this. Um, I think you have to be a user. You have to be a fan. If you're going to be on TikTok, you should be watching TikToks and like really trying to create things that people would want you to do. And I think like if you say, I think there's a, there's a beauty in self-awareness too. If you're like, you know, I try, I'm not into this. Like my husband is not really on TikTok. I am his TikTok bartender. So I will curate like the best TikToks I know he'll like and feed them to him every night. So he's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I get it. And like, I'll explain trends and stuff like that. So if that's not you, if you're like, this is not for me, then like work with creators to create content. And I do the key thing to do in that is like not to micromanage it or overproduce it. It has to, they have to have some freedom to produce what they think is best for your brand. And I think your job in that role is to be really clear about who your brand is and what goals you have as a brand and then let them create, be creative. Um, so I think there's like, if you're not the ideal user, if you have like, I don't know, no interest in it, then have the, the self-awareness to acknowledge that and then work with people who are really good at it um, or who are at least really invested in it. So I think that's pre pretty key. And honestly, most business owners probably don't have the time to keep up with it. So that's why partners like an agency or like a freelance creative um, can be a great resource. No, I think that's a great great like advice for people. Cause I do feel like business owners, especially business owners get overwhelmed with having to create all that content and then actually have it do something and people like actually care about it. So it is just learning to be like, okay, this is not my expertise. Like I just need someone else to help me with it. Because like we said, having a social media and building that community um, can be really important for a lot of brands. And so you might as well, if you're going to do it, you should invest in it and do it right. Yeah, absolutely. And let someone else do it. Like, I think, um, you know, managing social media platforms, especially like multiple platforms is a lot of work. So I think it's like, you can either get in the weeds for that if you're really good at it, or just do the thing that you're really good at for social. So I think about businesses like Go Clean Co. And like, no one can do what she does on stories. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like recognizing, okay, what can I do that no one else can do? What's like my secret sauce kind of thing? And then let other people support you with the other stuff. And it's like, I think business owners have to just accept that they have to be like content engines. Like it's just a, a, a part of our landscape. And so, you know, creating content that like, like spend some time thinking about what kind of content to create. And then if you can't create it, work with people who can. Right. And what do you think about content creation versus curation then? Yeah. So I think I would love to know what you think too, but personally, I feel like as a consumer, there's so many options. So for example, if I think about like the beauty industry, there is so many beauty brands. There's so many great beauty brands. And I would love to follow really good curators of beauty brands. And that's what people do. Like it's the YouTubers, it's the TikTok beauty influencers, all that stuff. So there definitely is an important place for curation. And it's like your creation curation is more valuable than ever before because we live in such a saturated market. So like as a curator, I think like that is so valuable for brands and and trying it's it's almost like 
it's not influencer. I think there's a distinction between influencer and curator because curators, it's like all they do. And then I'll even take it a step further. There's lots of businesses whose business is based on curation. Like they're just a marketplace for a category, say a category of cannabis or a category of pharmacy or whatever. They're just curators of these things. And there's potential to build a brand around that. So it's very liberating if you're an entrepreneur and you're like, I, you know, have great taste. I know what good branding is. I can curate a shop of the best products based on my taste and what I think is important about this specific category of products. And I feel like that there's no shame in that. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I think it's super valuable. Of course, content creation is valuable too. I think there's, you know, a time and place for it. And I think creators are more important than ever. Like Instagram's literally changing their platform to make it better for creators. So I think every business needs to be comfortable working with creators. Um, And I think curation is a really interesting and I feel like will be more important as we go on. Yeah, definitely. What you think? Yeah, I, again, I totally agree with you. And I think there's so much content being created that not that there's too much content. I think that there's room for everybody to do it, but I feel like sometimes it's more valuable to then like you said, if you have good taste and you can create a brand out of something that's already made, I think that is a special skill as well. And that people also want to engage with, like people want new content by creators and to see like those ideas and stuff. But I also feel like people appreciate a well put together, like group of things. Um, And so I think there's room for both. And I think it really is just what, reflects your brand or what reflects you as a person and what you're good at, because I think Mm -hmm. people could be a better curator than they are creator. And so it's really just like honing in on where you find your, your value in them. Totally. I'm a much better curator. I think it's like, I'm naturally literally like I'm addicted to online shopping and like I'm always (laughs) buying stuff. So like, I feel like I'm a good curator and I can be confident there, but I don't think I'm a confident content creator, nor do I like, have like I have so much respect for people who are, but I know it's just not my skill set. So I feel like it's a really interesting time with that for sure. Definitely. Okay. And I feel like we could talk forever, but I do want to mm-hmm. respect your time and our listeners' time. Um, so is there a podcast, a book, or resource that you would recommend um to business owners or people that are interested in marketing or branding? Definitely. I love this question. Um, So a book that I really, really love um, is uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. It's Mm -hmm. a story of Nike. Phil Knight is the creator of Nike. I just find it so inspiring to me to kind of like read his story front to back. Um, I also think it's a great audiobook, so um, it's quite a bigger one. So if you're not a reader, I'm a very slow reader, but I love the audiobook. So I really am a big fan. It also puts like all your problems into perspective. Like there's a oh, section really? in his book where he's like dodging the IRS and the CIA in his office. <laughs> and I was like, dang, like at least I'm not dealing with that kind of stuff, you know? So I think it's just like a really inspirational book. And I think it's a great one for all entrepreneurs to read. Um, another book that is actually required reading at our agency is called Win Without Pitching. It's called the Win Without Pitching Manifesto, and it's by Blair Enns. 
Um, it's just really strange. If you're in agency world, it's like a really good one to read because it kind of like um, challenges the pitching model. I think a lot of us um, in the agency space are used to having to pitch our greatest and best ideas in order to win business. And he's just basically like your creativity is your currency and you should protect that at all costs. So it's kind of like, flipping the script on how to approach new business. And it's a big part of how we um, we ask our team members to position themselves when it comes to client work. Um, we are the practitioners. Like you don't go, one example that we always talk about is you don't go to a doctor and tell them what you think is wrong and tell them to give you the medicine that you think is best. You go to a doctor and ask them what is wrong with you. And then you take their prescription. So it's like, a lot of agencies or brands come to an agency and say, and they think they know what their brand needs, but our positioning is always that like, we want to be prescriptive on what brands need and we're the practitioners, you know? So I think that's, that's a really good one too. I highly recommend it if you're in agency space. No, I love that. Great recommendations. And I will tell them they should listen to your podcast as well because I oh. find the best tips and advice <laughs> in marketing. That, thank you so much. <laughs> it feels much better coming from you than from me. But um yeah, we have a podcast called Wave Social. It's really fun. Uh we talk to people who we think are making waves online, just nerd out over marketing. I talk about Super Bowl ads like every other episode. So <laughs> come check it out. <laughs> and where else can people connect with you and find you yourself, arcade, podcast? Give us all the yeah, yeah. I uh, am on all the social stuff at at Mitzi, so it's M M M I T Z I. Um, hit me up in the DMs if you have questions or uh, want to connect. I've hired lots of people through my DMs, so <laughs> that's my the hottest spot if you're looking for a job. Um, uh, arcades also at Hello Arcade. Um, a lot of people think our agency is called Hello Arcade, but it's just Arcade. And our podcast is at Wave Social. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me and sharing all of your wisdom and Super Bowl ad knowledge. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Thank you for listening to Poolside Podcast and listening to this entire episode. It, I really appreciate it. And I hope you got as much out of this conversation with Mitzi as I did. We definitely could have talked longer. So I am definitely going to have her back to pick her brain about all things digital marketing. I feel like she is a treasure chest of information. If you liked this episode or enjoy listening to my podcast, I would really appreciate if you subscribed on whatever platform you're listening. Leave a rating and a review. Also follow me on social media and tag me in your stories. If you listen to this episode, I would love to hear your feedback and I will see you in the next episode. 